Just in case our name Clit Talk wasn't a disclaimer enough, we wanted to let you know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience only. So if you have any little ones in the room, now is the time to maybe put some earmuffs on or escort them out. So in this episode, we'll be talking about your pussy is an altar. Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today. Yes. I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow. Bring your pussies to the show. Welcome to Clit Talk. The Pleasure Positive Podcast, where badass women discuss everything from orgasms to gender harmony to the health benefits of masturbation, the sex that you wish you got, and then some. This first season of Clit Talk is inspired by Regina Thomas Shower, creatrix of the School of Womanly Arts, leader of the Pleasure Revolution, and author of her New York Times bestselling book, Pussy, A Reclamation. In the studio with us today, we have... I'm Jade. I'm an Afro-Latina Panamania. I'm an artist and filmmaker. I'm Crystal, a 30-something entrepreneur dating in LA. My name is Lolita. I'm 29 years young. I'm a spiritual healer and a conscious parenting coach. I am Melody. I was born in Iran, raised in Solana Beach, California. I'm Tamiko. I have two grown daughters. I'm 50, and I'm a divorcee. I am Lindsay, and I am in my 30s, originally from the East Coast. I'm a professional singer and a stepmom. I'm Sugar. I'm a 23-year-old Ashkenazi Jew. I just graduated college, and I'm a newlywed. And I'm Katie. I'm a writer, actress, nurse, and happily married lady. And I'm Eve, a bisexual Korean-European. We wanted to start with a reading from Regina's book. There is a secret Hindu ritual called the Yoni Puja, which is still performed today. In this ritual, the worshiper prays at the altar of pussy. A stone carving of the pussy is bathed in five ceremonial libations, milk, oil, water, honey, and yogurt. The object in this form of worship is for the supplicant to ask the divine feminine for whatever they need, health or healing for themselves or a loved one, financial help, fertility, whatever your heart desires. Upon completion completion of the prayer, the supplicant ingests the liquid as communion. Meaning they drink the milk, oil, water, honey, yogurt, right? (laughs) They swallow that shit. Oh, oh, pussy juices. <laughs> Men love it when we swallow. They really do. What's up with Least that? favorite part. I'm going to make them swallow my pee. <laughs> Your pee? No, I don't know. No, what's it called? The, fem- the female ejaculation. Well, it's I'm going to female- pussy juice. Yeah, I'm going to female. Piece. No, I'm going to ejaculate into like a protein shaker and like make my boyfriend drink it. <laughs> wow. Just kidding. Is know. that paleo? Or- that is totally on the paleo diet. <laughs> is that the whole 30 like <laughs> secret ingredients to like liquid to abs? The secret to his happiness. <laughs> whole 30. That's awesome. So with this whole concept of pussy as an altar, has a yoni altar ever showed up in your world? When we read in the book that how Regina creates these altars and intentions Mm -hmm. for her from coming from her pussy, like your pussy is your creative source. So she has an altar where there's objects that she's put there. So that's 
and then she sets the intention. So for me, I have a crystal collection and I always on a full moon set them out to recharge, but I'd never sent an intention on each crystal for what it is specifically that I wanted that source to bring me on my altar. And I did it last week with the with the full moon. I love the moon. I'm uh what do they what do you call that? Like a a lunatic. A lunatic. That's exactly, exactly. I'm a lunatic. So so that was part of like me really cultivating an altar and not just like having crystals around because I'm also a Reiki master. So I use them in my work um, on treating people, but I never set intentions for myself with my crystals. So that was how I started my altar. Yeah. Being a part Japanese, I'm third generation Buddhist. So from the time I was born, there was an al- always an altar in my house, a Buddhist altar. And really the significance of some of the items that we place there, like the greens for everlasting life, you know, or the water we put up there for, um, you know, uh, to sustain you. And, you know, I think what an altar actually does is it allows, like you were saying, Katie, allows you to have a space where the intention automatically comes up. So it's a, a place where you, it, it kind of forces you to think about things so you can make that intention about your life. I think that's the significance. When I was reading altar, I think for myself personally, because I, I have my own spiritual altar at home my whole life, I was thinking more of about how do I give reverence to my pussy. Not so much uh, a physical outside of my body, but how do I create the altar that it is? And you know, that could be crotchless panties, right? There's my altar, baby. You know, or make sure that I'm, you know, use some really nice uh, body butter, you know, for myself. I think that this concept of altar and intention is really what I think Regina's talking about too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't have a pussy altar per se, but I intend to have and create for myself a little mirror that I carry around and my altar would just exist in what I can see in that mirror when I'm looking at and gazing at my pussy and creating um, creating my intention. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Um, I have an altar that I use. I've never thought of making it a pussy altar though. And I have a deity on it. I'm, I'm Christian, but still that was something for me that made it be mindful. Um, so I'm going to take on the idea of like my altar being a pussy altar. It's fabulous. The place that I've really seen a pussy altar show up for me, surprisingly, is my own bed with my lover and setting intentions before we start our romantic session of the energy that we generate from our orgasm benefiting the entire planet. And let me tell you, the results (laughs) are mind-blowing. Just for our listeners, everyone's mouths just dropped open at this new concept <laughs> that has just been shared with us. <laughs> I am stealing that for yeah. sure. Yeah, please, please steal that one. So if we relate to our pussy as a divine space of sacred devotion, then how do we decide who gets to cross the threshold? <laughs> How do you choose? So I have, I personally have, it's called the three cunnilingus rule. And I stumbled across the three what? The three cunnilingus rule. So, um, (laughs) 
when I was in high school, my older sister was way older than me. So I really respected her. And she told me only slutty girls give head in high school. So I was like, all right, I'm not going to do that. So I would just, but I was like, but I, she's like, yeah, but you can let guys do stuff to you. So in high school, what happens is if you, you're like, yeah, you can do stuff to me. Guys get so crazy. They'll just like go down on you and you don't have to do anything to them. So that's kind of how I went through high school. And then it translated into my adult life. And I was like, this is really works. And so I would, once a guy is willing to go down on me three times, I will let him fuck me after that. <laughs> Oh, and that is my I rule. like that rule. <laughs> so what is the three cunnilingus three rule? <laughs> the definition of cunnilingus is... Three cunnilingus. Cunnilingus is another word for like a man going down on a woman. Oh, I did not know that. Know that oh, yeah. We're going to be sharing a lot of technical terms this episode. Uh, yoni is the Sanskrit word for pussy. Uh, lingam is the Sanskrit word for cock. And now we're introducing cunnilingus, which is, I don't know what language that's from. Like Latin? Getting head for yeah. a woman. Yeah. yeah. And, for, and for men, it's fellatio, right? Yep. Fellatio. And then for women, it's cunnilingus. Mm. That's oral sex. That's a damn oral shame sex that for I the knew sexes. the fellatio, even though I've never said it out loud. Fellatio. 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 Lolita said, bye, Felicia. <laughs> and, well, just the concept of, like, have you heard that before? And cunnilingus is, like, I didn't even know that existed. And now you know about the three cunnilingus rule as well. I'm so using that. It's never failed me. Because if a guy's not willing to go down on you three times, he's not worth it. So how do you choose the partner to begin with before you even get to get some cunnilingus? I don't think we actually choose. I think our pussy chooses. And once we are able to connect with her in such a way that we can hear her subtle expressions, desires, wants, then she does the choosing for us. Sometimes you don't really feel like you're choosing and it just happens. And then you're like, fuck, what did I just do? I'm looking at my uh, Tinder app right now. Checking, checking out my pro. <laughs> Swiping right. Check it. literally pulled it out. <laughs> I did. Just checking out my profile and I feel like I actually do choose every time. Without a doubt. As a matter of fact, my profile basically is kind of like uh, like recruiting. I'm asking for their relationship status, their real age, their occupation, their height. Are they willing to give me a phone call before a brief meetup? So I set the whole tone right in the profile. And it depends on what they message me back, whether I even have a conversation with them. And sometimes the threshold is, can they text what I want them to do to me first before I even meet up with them. So that's kind of my threshold. I recently watched this video that says it takes us approximately three seconds to know whether or not we have the desire to be intimate with somebody. So I think a huge part of it is intuition. And then, of course, there's chemistry, attraction, and we can get into intelligence. But Lolita, come on, why don't you share with us what your actual three criteria are for choosing? <laughs> you know what I'm talking I mean, I about. I do like what you just mentioned. I think that's all yeah. I have. Pussy just called pussy out. I want to. <laughs> and pussy must respond when pussy gets called out. 
if she so desires. So, you know, I just want to say that I've been using these three, what do I call them? <laughs> Criterias. Your Long face. before I read Pussy. Yet I find that they are still highly useful today. Number one, teeth. They have nice teeth. Then I'll stick my tongue right down his throat. Okay, but but you gotta but you gotta keep your teeth right. Okay. Yeah. Number two, shoes. Mm. I can't even fuck with a man if his shoes ain't right. That's some East Coast shit right there. They say you can always tell a man by his shoes. I find that to be very true. And my third criteria is how they smell. Mm. That's Isn't it the worst when you have the hottest guy and like you can't, he just doesn't smell right. Even if he like has the right cologne, the chemistry just isn't there. It's like, fuck. Or too much cologne is the worst. A lot of times when you are on these apps, for those of you that aren't single, um, they'll ask you, you know, men will ask, uh, what are you looking for? Right. Because they want to know, are you just, you know, basically down to fuck or you want to, you know, get a relationship going. And my usual response to them is I'm looking for fun, funny, witty, sincere, kind, generous, sexy. Those are the things I'm looking for. And I would say emotional intelligence is also huge. Of course, respect, honor. I'm really into a man who is in command of his energy, who's intentional and deliberate. Yeah, for me, I um, discovered uh, that very early on in life that I was addicted to addicts. So one partner after another was an alcoholic or into drugs or all of it. And so for me now, one of my biggest criteria is that my partners are 95% sober so they lead a mostly sober lifestyle. And if they have, you know, whatever, a hit of ecstasy or a glass of wine every once in a while, all good in the hood. But just 95% of the time, they're leading a sober life. And that, I notice it changes the energy in bed so much. The energy that I'm left with after they ejaculate, the vibration that my body is in is so much higher than with my former partners who used to, um, who drank and did a lot of drugs. And now a message from our Clit Talk crew. You can support us by going onto iTunes and leaving us a five-star review. And if you email us a screenshot of your review to clittalkcontest at gmail.com, you will be automatically entered to win a $100 Amazon gift card. We can't wait to give you some free shit. Now more Clit Talk. Have you ever allowed someone into your sacred space that really didn't belong there? Who mm, hasn't? Yeah, I want to. I want to share something about that. Um, the almost every single man I slept with, I didn't want to sleep with, and uh, the majority of the people that I slept with was in a one-year frame time frame. So my high school boyfriend and, and I break up at 18 and from like 18 to 19 there was a lot happening there was two back-to-back weekends of threesomes with guys two guys yeah two guys and me two back-to-back weekends and yeah like it ain't no thing and then I experienced a lot of shame around that when I found out that they had told people like 
you will never believe who I just, who we just did this with. Um, there was a lot of shame there, but yes. I think this is really poignant, um, Sugar, because there may be some girls listening right now that are maybe feeling like they need to do this to be cool or they've done this and they're feeling shame about it. I guess my question to you would be, knowing what you know now as a married woman, what would you say to that 18-year-old today to either coach her, show her love? I would say that you're, every girl hits that point where there is their low. Uh, it could be sexually. And and slut-shaming is like, it's a real thing, you know, especially on college campuses. And I can relate to so many of like these sorority girls right now who just want to have fun and be with their friends. And like, they're, they're not, they're being naive. And things are happening around them and conversations are happening around them. And majority of the time, they are in a situation all of a sudden, and they're like, how did I get here? And they might feel like, I don't know what to do. I just let them touch me or let just let it happen and I'll get out of here and escape and I know that's something that I would I would really um tell myself is just you know get out and and just do this to to be safe and you don't have to do that you can you can walk out of any room you can you can you can choose even if you think it's too late you still can choose and from for Anyone who's but beyond that point is like, I'm so done letting it happen, letting it happen. There's nothing wrong with just taking a couple of steps back and putting yourself in sisterhood or community where you can just self-reflect. That for me was Judaism. And I just got to be abstinent for like a year and just to be with myself. And um, I was really intentional. I was like, I don't, I'm not interested in dating. I'm not interested in sleeping with people. Like I'm interested in creating an intentional relationship. And and what what I'm hearing and what you're saying is that you've really felt like alone and like you had to do those things. And so any girl who's listening that may this may be resonating with you, like you're not alone. And, and you know, there's resources out there. Maybe we can find some of those and put those on the website. And also it's like in the moment, part of it is fitting in, not feeling confident, not sure what to say. Sometimes it's literally just taking a second and saying, you know what, this doesn't work for me to the guy or the girl that you're with. This just doesn't work for me. I'm sorry. I thought it would. And walking away, which is fucking hard. Sometimes it's alcohol and drugs too, you know, mm-hmm. that that uh, puts down the inhibitions or it doesn't allow you to take control. Mm-hmm. I think what I would like to add to this is that no is the complete answer. And just to reiterate what I heard Crystal say, it's never too late to change your mind. Mm-hmm. And it's, and that's like what's really coming up with this Me Too movement is people were nervous about changing their mind in the moment. So that's just easier to just do the act to be able to then leave. And I know I've done that. And by actually just standing for yourself, you do leave in the moment awkward and uncomfortable, but you actually don't have that shame after like you would if you would have just done it to get out of the room. Well, and I also want to put in is that you're doing the man, the man in your life a favor. I've had a lot of men really impacted by this Me Too movement where the women weren't in communication about being uncomfortable and they've been smeared in the media and now their careers are over. So like it's it's our responsibility to say no and to be clear about it. And there's power in saying no. Yeah. And that goes in in all directions, right? So communication is key for certain in the bedroom. And one of the ways is by saying no or 
this doesn't feel good or could we try it another way? Or what I'd really like is, or this is the best I've ever felt in my life, or keep going, or you're an angel. You know, the entire spectrum of communication, I think, is really key for us having what we want, when we want it, how we want it, and with whom we want it with. Yeah, and that that's so great. I also wanted to put in, because I know we had mentioned, you know, having a threesome with two guys. If that's a yes for you... There's also nothing wrong with that either. Yeah, if if you're more. if you're totally empowered by doing something this there's a flip side to like, you know, slut shaming. If you want to do something unconventional and you're a hell yes to it, by all means do it. If you're like your yes can be unconventional as well. If it's something that you really want to do, I just want to make sure that we're not turning one off. It's like I've done threesomes and I loved it. <laughs> I mean, I've had threesomes and I liked them. And and I was empowered by it. And I've also had situations where I probably should have said no and I wasn't empowered by it. So it's whatever your yes or no is, I think. And it's practice doing it. So like the first time is really scary, but the next time will be less scary. And so the more often you take a stand for what's true for you, the easier it becomes over time. When, when Lindsay, you asked uh, Sugar what she would tell her 18-year-old self, I kind of flipped it on myself and I was thinking, you know, what would I have told myself before my two daughters went off to college? They're 24 and 21 now, but um, being someone with a background where I basically married uh, the, the, you know, the man who I gave my virginity to and I was with him for 24 or 25 years and had not gone to college, I was totally unaware of the rape culture or what happens to girls when they're drunk or when they, you know, are feeling that kind of pressure, sexual pressure or peer pressure or whatever you call it. And for mothers, it's really so important prior to our daughters being exposed to those kind of circumstances to really let them know that if they really don't want to do something, that it's okay to scream from the top of their lungs and let everybody know they don't want to do it. And there's no repercussion to it. And that if they get in a situation, that immediately go tell somebody because that's your saving grace. And I wish I had these conversations. I really hope that mothers out there don't feel um, hesitant to really talk about what can happen, you know. Something I would like to add from the perspective of conscious parenting for our mothers and fathers who are out there listening, I think it's very important from the get-go to let your children know that they own their bodies. And the ways that we unconsciously tell our children that they do not own their bodies are by saying, go give grandpa a kiss, go give auntie a hug. If that's not a natural organic impulse that your child is having, don't force it. Do not force it because the messaging is exactly what you don't want. It's you don't own your body. You do what I'm telling you to do with your body, even if it doesn't feel good, even if it doesn't feel right. And I think that it's just part of culture. It's part of what we were raised in in our families. There's expectations and and how our children are supposed to be inside of a family. And I just invite you to really step outside of that and give your children all the space in the world to choose who they want to be affectionate with and never, ever feel any pressure to have it go any other way. I so wish that my parents had talked to me 
really early on about sex and even making out. I mean, by the time my mother understood that I was having sex, I had already been pregnant once before. So she was really late to the game and being a support to me. And sex was something that I was hiding, you know, in every way that I could. And I had no idea how to say no to what I didn't want. So, um, and that, and that also included not knowing how to say, no, I don't want to play around at all. Not even a little bit without a condom on because literally the one time I did that. I got pregnant. I mean, in seconds. So it's beautiful that as grown folks, we can create conscious practices for ourselves to have what we want in our lives, in our beds, in our pussies. And so an exercise that we invite you to take on, should you choose, is to create an altar to your own pussy or for men who are listening out there, your lingam, which means your cock in Sanskrit. (laughs) And the way, if you've never made an altar before, the way you do this, you just take any flat surface. It could be your mantle over your fireplace or a little table or even a shelf and just cover it with a beautiful fabric and then place sacred objects on it. And I invite you to make a prayer to the great pussy in the sky or whatever deities that you may call upon to bring into your life, bring into your bed, bring into your sacred sexual altar exactly what you want. And now it's time for chanting. So I'd like everyone just to take a deep breath in through your nose. Big exhale. And if possible, if it's safe, if it's appropriate, place your hand on your pussy. Or for our gents out there listening, go ahead and place your hand on your cock. And with love, with honor, with reverence, let's chant pussy. Pussy, yeah. Pussy. 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 Oh, it feels so good. I'm going to make myself a pussy altar and show the world how beautiful she is. Did you just love this episode of Clit Talk? Well, shit, then you better head on over to iTunes and subscribe. But only if you want amazing orgasms. Also, while you're over there, please rate us and leave a review. But again, only if you're open to incredible sex and amazing relationships. And if you email us a screenshot of your review to clittalkcontest at gmail.com, you will be automatically entered to win a $100 Amazon gift card. We can't wait to give you some free shit.